Hello, I'm Major Adrian Allman. And I'm Captain Claire Allman. Welcome to the Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army podcast series. Birmingham Citadel is a Christian church located in Birmingham City Centre here in the UK. Each episode is a recording of the Bible message that would normally be shared during the Sunday worship service. While we are unable to meet together for worship, we will publish our podcasts at 10am every Sunday morning and you can also see daily videos on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. It's good to have you share with us and as you listen now we pray that God will speak to you. May you know God's abundant blessing today. Good morning. Today we're continuing our study of Paul's first missionary journey. So if you've got your Bible with you, perhaps you'd like to turn to Acts chapter 14 and just take a few moments to read that chapter of scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning. You know, it's amazing what you can do with a computer nowadays to change images. Sometimes we just do not know if the images that we see on the web or in newspapers or wherever are real or fake anymore because they can be doctored in such ways. We live in an era of Photoshop where photos can be manipulated by people with limited skills in graphic design. People just like me. And here's a prime example. When we were in Scotland a few years ago, one of our favourite places is the beautiful little village of Luss on the coast uh, of Loch Lomond there, on the shores of Loch Lomond there. And the girls and Claire were stood in front of the beautiful sign at the end of the pier that just simply says Luss. Took a lovely picture and when I got it home, uploaded it onto the computer, I realised that it had been spoiled. It had been spoiled by some idiot with a, a marker pen who'd written his graffiti all over the white background of this little sign saying Luss. Thankfully, Photoshop was able to sort it for me and in a few little tweaks of a brush stroke we were able to remove the graffiti and just make the background perfect white and I had the perfect picture. It's very difficult isn't it to tell what's real and what is not. Sometimes to be able to be sure of what realistic and what isn't is a hard task. The same comes with our expectations of life. We have expectations for everything. We have expectations for work, for school, for children, for the health service, for marriage, for the government, from technology, for sport teams that we follow. We even have expectations of God and the church. And one of the most important lessons that life has taught me and still teaches me regularly is that I need to have realistic expectations and that's what I want to look at this morning as we open up our study we've been studying the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas having been sent by the spirit with the blessing of the church at Antioch in Syria Paul and Barnabas set sail for Cyprus and from there having shared the good news they move into Asia Minor into what we would now call Turkey and we now find them here in chapter 14 in Iconium it's a brief stay, it's got mixed results. A great number of people believed, but there's also a hostile group that make plans to stone the apostles. And so on hearing about this news, they flee quickly to Lystra and Derb. One of the things that speaks to me of their attitude in the journey is that they have very realistic expectations. When they are rejected, 
they move on. When they hear plots to threaten them, they flee. They rejoice at those who receive the good news, but equally so recognise that not all will believe their message instantly. Realistic expectations. Expectations are beliefs that spring from a person's thought process when examining evidence. That's the official definition. On a summer's evening, if the sky seems to have that reddish pink tint to it as the, the evening draws on, evidence tells us that when we get up the following day, the sun will shine. And therefore, red sky at night, we expect the sun the following day. And yet our expectations sometimes are not reflected in reality because there are flaws in our reasoning. Or sometimes our expectations can become biased with personal hope and desire. As people of faith, this subject of expectation can be an issue for us. In one of our online services, Joyce Mayer, the well-known American preacher, begins her sermon by saying this. I want to talk to you today about the disappointment of unrealistic expectations. I want you to think about what that means, because I tell everybody all the time to be full of hope. And that means to expect that God is going to do something great in your life. So I'm for dreaming. I'm for big vision. I'm expecting God to do the impossible. But we also set ourselves up for disappointment when we are believing for things that not even the Bible tells us is a reality. I like that honest assessment and that honest bringing of this subject of unrealistic expectations. Sometimes we get our hopes up based upon a false premise or a misreading of evidence. We can form expectations automatically without conscious effort. The trouble is when expectations are not met, pain ensues and we often place blame on the something or someone who did not live up to our expectations, even if our expectations were unreasonable. You see, expectations based upon human assumptions can cause trouble. It could have been so easy for Paul and Barnabas to believe that having been sent by the Spirit, these missionary journeys would have been a stroll in the park. And yet if they'd have done that, if they'd have taken that attitude, if they'd have had that unrealistic expectation, they would have ignored the words of Jesus when he said in John chapter 16 verse 33, in this world you will have trouble. Thankfully, Paul and Barnabas didn't set about their business with unrealistic expectations. In Lystra, as we read, they could not make good their escape and suddenly they're attacked. Paul is stoned, he's dragged outside the city to be left for dead. It's quite ironic, isn't it? Paul once held the cloaks of those who stoned Stephen to death for his faith and he now finds himself being treated the same way. Paul was a realist and I'm quite sure that at some point in his life as an apostle, he would have expected this to have happened. Lesser men would have given up at this point. And as Paul walked the road from Lystra to Derb, his body was battered and bleeding after being attacked by the vicious mob. I wonder if he did actually question whether it was all worth it. He'd done it to others and so he could expect others to do it to him. And so rather than going home, rather than giving up, he simply moved to the next place in the hope that the reaction would be different, though knowing there was no guarantee that this would be so. 
I do believe that the idea of realistic expectations is one that we must consider all the time as believers. How do we balance the expectation that God is going to do something great in our lives without setting ourselves up for disappointment by believing for things that not even the Bible tells us is a reality? The truth is the body of Christ is not as mature as it should be. We're continually growing. The church portrayed in the New Testament was certainly not a perfect, mature church, and neither is the church today. Christians are often lacking in many regards. We have not arrived, and therefore we should not portray ourselves as such. We are simply an unusual assortment of people whom the Lord is in the process of changing. We are being transformed into his likeness, and thankfully he's not bound by our limitations, and he works through us despite our deficiencies. People can bring with them expectations that a church may not be able to meet, and that church people cannot meet. And this includes church members as well as people from the outside. Equally so across the spectrum of leadership and membership, churches can place expectations on people that are unrealistic too. A well-known story tells of a large middle-class church who invited a guest preacher to lead worship one Sunday. And he began his sermon by saying, There are three points to my sermon. Most people yawned inwardly because they had heard that many times before. The preacher went on, My first point, is today there are approximately one billion people starving to death in the world. There was no reaction from the congregation because they'd heard that sort of statement many times before also. The preacher continued, my second point, and then suddenly everybody sat up because only 10 seconds had passed and he's already on his second point. My second point, he said, is that most of you don't give a damn. He paused again as those in the congregation gasped and tutted to one another. He then said, and my third point is that the real tragedy among Christians today is that many of you are now more concerned that I said the word damn than you are that I said one, one billion people are starving to death. And then he sat down. You've probably heard that illustration before. It's well known. And there's many a point that can be made from this. But actually, for me, the story indicates that the congregation had not expected to come to hear that. And so they were unhappy. They'd certainly not come for that kind of ministry. It wasn't what they were expecting. You know, from what I read of the early Christians, they were not absorbed in plans and programs to keep everybody happy and interested. These Christians were absorbed instead with the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom that he was establishing in the hearts of men. Paul and Barnabas didn't expect to please everyone, nor was it their concern. They weren't there to serve their own needs or the needs of others. They were to be people of God, being transformed in the image of Jesus, and make him known by the way that they lived. As I was considering this whole idea of expectations, I thought about my own expectations. The expectation that I often put onto others. And as I've been reading this during the week, I read a bit of helpful advice that consisted of three simple statements that I want to share with you this morning because I found them really helpful. And it, it advises us to guard against three things. Firstly, it says, guard against expecting others to serve you. 
when we get upset that others have not met our unbiblical, unrealistic or uncommunicated expectations, we are showing that we merely wanted them to serve us and our perceived needs. When we remember how much Christ has served us, we will be quick to serve others and slow to hold them to our own expectations. So guard against expecting others to serve you. Secondly, guard against expecting others to always agree with you. Most of us have known what it is to get upset, whether we show it outwardly or not, when others don't agree with us on something that's a matter of preference. Getting upset about with people that don't agree with us seems to be quite a common thing in the world nowadays. But here, this good advice advises to guard against expecting others to always agree with you. Thirdly, we are to guard against expecting others to do all the work in the church. It is easy to complain about things that we do not have or do not like in the church. However, a complaining spirit often manifests itself when we see things that we wish were different and then impose an expectation that others will take care of these things for us. And when we do this, we're not acting as problem solvers, we're acting as problem observers. You know, when I look at the example of Paul, I don't see a man who expected others to serve him. Nor do I see a man who expected others to agree with him, or even expect that others should do the work when he didn't. You see, for me, Paul was a man with realistic expectations. It is interesting what people did think of Paul. And in Lystra, we read of this amazing reaction of the crowds. He and Barnabas arrive in Lystra and meet a man who couldn't walk. A miracle occurs and the man stands to his feet and instantly the crowd watching declare Paul and Barnabas to be Greek gods. Greek gods who've come down to earth because this is the only explanation that they can give for this man walking as far as they can see. The people at Lystra were making a, a big mistake. They were making the mistake of worshipping Paul and Barnabas because they thought of the miracle that they performed instead of worshipping Almighty God who'd healed the man through Paul and Barnabas. We have here a case of person worship or people worship. The apostles quickly correct this and they declare themselves to be nothing more than humble men with all the fragilities of any human being like any other. They were quick to acknowledge that any special gift in them came from God and was the work of God, not them. They were swift to give praise and glory to God the Father. You know, it's so important to have realistic expectations of people and we must guard against the worship of individuals or allowing ourselves to become the focus of ministry rather than God himself. I've seen it so often that we elevate individuals to a place that is unhelpful. And then when they fail to match our expectations of them, we become disillusioned. In recent years, so many well-known Christian figures have found themselves failing naturally, as we all do. And yet, because they were elevated to such a position where people almost placed them on, on such a, a status, it brought about great disappointment. The longer that we all follow Christ in this life, the more we realise that everything that we possess comes from the hand of God. And that he alone deserves our thankfulness and praise. 
it's not up to us. It's not our work. It's the Lord's work. We're just the servants. And so we come to the end of the chapter. And finally, it's time for Paul and Barnabas to head home. You'd have expected them to be eager to head back home. Undoubtedly, they'd have been exhausted. And if you look at a map of the area, the way they've come, they could have easily done the route home by completing the circle. It would have made common sense to me. It would have been the shortest route as well to go home. But they don't do this. And acknowledging the reality of the situation, they say to themselves, or they say to the people listening, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. This is two apostles acknowledging that actually to live a life of faith is hard, it's difficult. That sometimes... Our expectations are not met. And so if these great men of faith realised that the journey of faith was difficult, how much more for the new converts? And so what do they do? Instead of going the direct route home, they retrace their steps and they visit all the places that they've been to on the outward journey. So literally, they double back on themselves and take the reverse route home. They go through places where they've been attacked, where they've been rejected. They return to them. I guess it must have been really difficult for the young churches in these places. And how good it must have been for them to see Paul and Barnabas again, knowing they'd not been forgotten. Paul and Barnabas strengthened the soul of the converts and they encouraged them to continue in the faith. More than that, as they went back, as they retraced their steps, they'd go back to these churches and put in an organisational structure. They'd appoint leaders in each church and with prayer and fasting, they'd entrust the church to God. Actually, they could do no more than that. They gave all that they could to the churches and then they left it to God. Sometimes for us, the reality of faith brings its struggles. And at those times, we need encouragement ourselves. And I find from my own experience that often on those occasions, it helps us to retrace our steps. We often sing the opposite. We talk about never mind going on. We recall the words about pressing on in our faith. Well, I find that times... It helps to do our own version of track and trace, to use a a phrase that's very key at the moment. To go back to points in our journey when the Lord spoke clearly to us, when he taught us important lessons. And by going back, by retracing our steps, we allow us to remember, to rekindle flames and circumstances that we have extinguished in our lives. What God has done before, he can still can do. And often when we retrace our steps, it allows us to stop, reflect, learn, and then walk down new and different paths. Paul and Barnabas retraced their steps and they came home. They arrived back in Antioch and they reported all that had happened. They told their story and experienced the joy of sharing what God had done. We've all got a story to tell. You've heard me say that many times. We've all got a story to tell. Nobody can take that away from us. And you know what? We can all know the joy of sharing what God has done for us and in us, just like Paul and Barnabas. So as we come to the end of our thoughts this morning, realistic expectations. 
What are you expecting from God today? What do you expect of life? What do you expect from the church? What do you expect from others? What are you expecting to give? Are these realistic expectations? Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey realised that being a witness for Christ was a costly business. They preached the gospel often in very hostile situations and then they moved on to different towns and cities leaving the work in God's hands. You see, this wasn't about them. It was the Lord's work. Their job was to just let the Lord live in them and they were to be Christ to whoever they met and share their story. They had no unrealistic expectations. Just a simple determination to give praise and glory to the Father as they, exp as they shared their experience of him. May that be so for us too. As we reflect at the end of our uh, thoughts this morning, let's just allow Christ to dwell within us. It's his work. We have to have realistic expectations. Whatever we are is through him working in us. So in the quietness of this morning, what are you expecting from God? today will you allow him to let his life in you increase will you have realistic expectations of what god wants of you and wants to do through you may it be so amen Oh,
Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. So you don't miss any further recordings, please subscribe to this podcast and also share and review it to help other people find and join our Birmingham Citadel online congregation. This has been a production for Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army in the United Kingdom. If you'd like to know more about us or want to worship with us, then visit our webpage at birminghamcitadel.co.uk.